scripture that we're going to use is from the call of Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. If you've been on a trip with small children, you heard this question more than once. And maybe if you had more than one child, you heard it in unison or at different times from several voices. And the question on the trip is always, are we there yet? And when they ask the question, you knew that they asked the question because they couldn't understand yet that you can't just automatically show up at a place where you're traveling. And they also didn't understand that one of the reasons you pile the whole family in and travel is for the experience of being and traveling together anyway. It was a lack of maturity on the children's part that they wanted to be there immediately. In his book, The Jesus Way, Eugene Peterson talks about a similar uh, thing that came with his teenage children. They would go and climb a mountain not far from their home. And the mountain was several thousand feet. And so the two boys, uh, teenage boys, would climb and move as quickly as they could, making a beeline for the top. When they reached the top, they would take each other's pictures. They would write their name on a slip of paper because everyone who made it to the top of that mountain got to take their, write their name on a slip of paper and put it in a steel box that was held for them. And then they would wait. While the mother and the father made their way up the mountain slowly, watching the wildlife, looking at rock formations, uh, looking at the different uh, fauna at different levels. And finally, when the parents would get there, they would say in exasperation, Where have you been? We've been waiting for you for hours. They had made a beeline to the top. But as Peterson pointed out, his children had missed the journey along the way. It is a mark of immaturity. It is a mark of underdeveloped understanding to put a focus on the destination over the journey. But that is exactly where the church has found itself in the last several centuries. The church has placed more and more emphasis on destinations and less and less emphasis on journeys. And I believe that is another way the church has gotten off what we would call the ancient path that God has given us. Look, when we even think about church, people think of it as a destination. And so often the question might be asked, did you go to church? When really, the better question is, were you the church? Were you the church? Did you come together? And did you together go out into the world serving and advancing God's kingdom? But we turned it into a place, to a destination, when God had intended it to be people who were on a journey together. We've done the same thing with salvation, and we've made salvation a a one-time event, and when you can get your ticket punched or your uh, bank uh, cashed um, to the bank of heaven, your check cashed, you're kind of done. And so we ask, uh, have you been saved? As as if that's the end of the story. Uh, Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Never thinking about would you have to put on any clothes and go anywhere else. We made salvation a destination, and Jesus, quite frankly, wouldn't have understood that. He would have known that by his death we are saved. 
but he would have assumed that we were saved so that we could continue walking and following him. He wouldn't have understood people who claim to be saved by Jesus but have no intention of following him in their day-to-day life. He would have seen life as a journey, not as a one-shot destination. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we've done the same thing with heaven. And a lot of Christians on earth think they're just killing time till they get to heaven. And they miss the fact that we're on a journey to try to bring as much of heaven as we can to earth while we are here. Too often the church, like the little children in the back seat, screams out, Are we there yet? And they miss the opportunities along the way. About a year and a half ago, I was standing um, in the sanctuary next to Scott, and I was interviewing him. And, and I said to Scott, Do you think journey is a good metaphor for the Christian faith or the biblical faith? And Scott's response, some of you may recall, he said, I think journey is the only metaphor for the walk and life of faith. And when you think of it, which of God's people in the scriptures has not been on a journey? Those of you who are participating in the story and you're reading it, Noah's on a journey. Abraham was on a journey. Abraham's uh, grandson, Jacob, was on a journey first to find two wives, Rachel and Leah, then to come back to meet his brother. And then one of his sons, Joseph's on a journey that takes him uh, into slavery and into Egypt. And then Moses comes along, and we're studying Moses now, and Moses will lead his people on a journey out of Egypt. And then Moses' descendants will be on a journey to the promised land, and on it goes. Until Jesus comes along and goes on a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem where he will be crucified. Which of God's characters have not been on a journey? Journey is the standard for our faith. And I don't know how I missed that for so many years. And why I spent so much time and energy focusing on destinations and missing things along the way. But I thought I'd better examine that for myself, and here's some of what I think I've come up with. I think, first of all, I simply didn't understand that often the things God has prepared for us, we are not prepared to receive if we don't take the journey first. So that basically, if God just beams you from here straight to heaven, let me give you a hint, you ain't ready. Because there's so much that God has to teach us and so much for us to do along the way. I mean, think about some of the uh, superstar uh, million, multi-million dollar athletes who come into rich contracts uh, through basketball when they're 19 years old. Look what happens to them. Look at the rap sheet of our professional athletes. And you see people that have come into things before they were ready to receive them and use them in ways that are responsible and that would bless others. Look at people who have given their children too much too soon and watch their children live with a sense of entitlement And without any sort of uh, uh, understanding, I think, like Chris showed us this morning, of the need to give back to the world and give back to society. If we don't take the journey, we're not ready for what God has for us along the way. When they escaped Egypt, the faster route to the promised land would have been along the coast through the Philistines. And God said to Moses, I'm not taking you that way because you're not ready. The Philistines will attack you and you will lose. Sometimes the journey prepares us for the things that God has for us at different stages along the way. And if we bypass the journey, we won't be ready. Another thing I didn't realize that, that took, and I finally see now, is usually there's more joy in the trip than there is in the destination. That oftentimes when we're focused on the destination, we get there and we ask that question, is that all there is? 
I climbed to the top of my profession and, and there's nothing there. I climbed the ladder of success and found it to be a little shaky. Sometimes we miss that the joy wasn't the destination. The joy was the trip that we took with one another along the way. Uh, yesterday I was at a wedding. And at the reception, um, uh, one of my uh, distant relatives was getting married. And, um, and at the reception, when uh, she got married, her maid of honor read a nice speech for the toast, and she put together uh, some cliches. But I, when I heard them, I thought they might be cliches, but that doesn't mean they're untrue. And this is one of the things, you've probably heard it, that she said to the bride and groom. I hope and pray that this, your wedding day, will be the day you love each other the least. I never thought about it. I hadn't heard that cliche, but I know others have said it now. But what if your wedding day is the day you love each other the most? And that's it. That's the destination. What happens after that? Well, it's not very good. Not very pretty. And anybody in a relationship knows it's the journey along the way that you can never stop and plant the fag and say, we love each other about as much as we're going to love each other. You know, we've adventured together about as much as we want to adventure. Or we've served God just about as much as we want to serve God. And we plant the flag and stop there. And we miss so much. I tell you every other year, so it's time, that one of the most important things that I've ever learned was a distinction that uh, John Ortberg made one time. I heard it more than 10 years ago. He said this, There are people in the world who divide their life into two parts, living and waiting to live. And unfortunately, they spend most of their time waiting to live. When my children get out of diapers, I will. When our children get through college, we will. Whenever I retire, I will. And that day of living is always someplace in the future. And you're never living in that moment. That's what happens when you have a destination view of life rather than the biblical view of journey. And the biblical view of journey is not that life is somehow what happens in a distant place or distant time. Life really lived is what happens now with each other and with God. And quite frankly, I think I missed this for so many years. And in doing so, I missed the high cost of the destination sort of theology you know, when I was setting goals and, and heading on beelines toward those goals, I, I realized several things happened. One is I would often skim through relationships. If a relationship didn't seem to fit the goal toward which I was heading, that relationship didn't get that, my full attention, including if that relationship happened to be one of my sons. When you have a destination attitude, you miss the relationships along the way. When you have a destination attitude, you miss the beauty along the way, just like Peterson's kids buzzing up that mountain several thousand feet as fast as they can go, missing the animals, missing the waterfalls, missing the rock formations along the way. So much beauty in life is missed by us. So much of what God is wanting to do with us because we're just zipping along. It's instructive to me that I think one of the reasons God used Moses is that Moses bothered to stop and turn aside when he saw the bush that was burning. He didn't just say, well, that has nothing to do with tending sheep, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. He was present in that part of the journey. And quite frankly, I think when we just buzz on toward a destination, 
we miss God. Because God is not sitting in heaven, twiddling thumbs, waiting for us to get there when the fun can really begin. The scripture is clear that God is here with us. Jesus said, I am with you always. And the fun is now. And the opportunity is here to be a part of what God is doing. And if we're just looking somewhere far off ahead, we're missing all that God wants to do in this moment. And when I heard Chris speak this morning at a couple of services, I realized something else that happened. When I focused on destination and not the journey, I missed so many opportunities to bless people along the path. A couple of years ago, I hit a bit of a rut, and I was just a little bored and just kind of wondering, as sometimes we do, like, is it worth it? What am I supposed to be doing? And one of the things that really helped me was the understanding and realization that I could get up each morning and live that day trying to bless who would ever come along my path. And so I get up and say, God, whoever you're going to send me, I'll try to be ready. And I'll try to offer some blessings somehow, some way on this day along your path. And that's helped me a lot. But the truth is that the journey in the Bible was never straight They went to the promised land through what the Bible calls a roundabout way. It was never easy. There weren't just the geographical obstacles, rocks and mountains, deserts and swollen rivers. There were also enemies. And there were many in these obstacles, there were many opportunities for the people to just get off the path and say, send us back to Egypt. We don't want to do this. We don't want to go forward. But the good news is this. Along this journey, we will be tempted to step off, and maybe we will step off. But because the goal is not a destination, but the goal is the journey itself, we can step back on at any time. It's not, oh, I've lost so much time, I can never go back now. So much uh, water has gone under the bridge, it's too late now. It's never too late because it's about the journey. It is never too late to take the first step walking with God and walking with each other. And if we get off the path, we can get back on and start today. I've known so many people who felt like I made a bad choice of career. I bought in the wrong neighborhood. I chose the wrong spouse. And they think some decision they made years ago has thrown them off the path and, and they can never get back on and be where God wants them to be or who God wants them to be. And friends, that's non-biblical thinking. Biblical thinking is that God's right there on the path just waiting for you to step back on it. Whatever the job, whoever the spouse, wherever you find yourself, step back on and you can be right where God wants you to be because you're on the journey and that's where he wants you. The great thing is that it's not about getting to the destination at a particular time. It's just getting on the path and walking. And you can step back onto that path at any time. I'm reminded of a son who really messed up, really, really messed up, embarrassed himself, embarrassed the family, so he left town. Communicated with his parents when they finally found him, and they said, son, come home. He said, I can't. You know, I've created so much embarrassment for you, for me, for everyone. I I could never come home. And the response to him was, well, come as far as you can and we'll go meet you. Maybe we don't make it all the way down the path right now. But if we take that first step, we will find a God 
waiting to meet us and walk with us the rest of the way.